Hello, everybody. Welcome to the State of Mind podcast, where we create space for conversations about mental health that change lives by bringing you the stories underneath the slogans. We want people to learn they are empowered by their experience, not inhibited. My name is Mike Stroh. I am the founder of Starts With Me, a consultancy that specializes in K-12 education and workplace mental health. I am also a psychotherapist and I am passionate about all things mental health and well-being. On today's episode, we have an inspiring guest. His name is Mahfouz Chadhuri and he is a passionate public speaker and best-selling author. Over the last 10 years, he has spoken to thousands of individuals to help them accelerate their personal development and adapt to the changing world. His book, Project Reinvention, shares his story of how he bounced back from multiple challenges, including dropping out of school, racking up $30,000 in debt, and going through painful heartbreak. Mafuz is also a national award-winning brand manager at Candy, ba- Candy Box Marketing, one of the fastest-growing digital marketing agencies in Canada. Mafuz is also a fellow podcaster with over 130 episodes of the Ride With Me podcast recorded from his driver's seat. This summer, Mafuz Chadhuri had been selected to participate in Season 2 of a new international reality TV series called The Social Movement, airing on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, and others. Well, we certainly talk about a lot of amazing things in relationship to personal growth, mental health, how we navigate difficult moments. We definitely explore in quite a lot of detail the negative self-talk the itty-bitty shitty committee, whatever you want to call it, that, that voice and that noise that's always chattering in our ear telling us we're not good enough, we're never going to get to where we get, want to get, we don't deserve it, all that noise and, and irritation. Mafuz has a ton of insight and he is a great role model for a lot of these behaviors. I think you will really enjoy this. We are also giving away a few tickets to the State of Mind Festival coming up in May May of 2021 from the 4th to the 7th. So if you want a free ticket or want any more information, please go to stateofmindfestival.com or send me an email at mike at startswithme.ca. Anyway, without further ado, I bring you a really inspiring and enlightening conversation with Mafuz Chadhuri. Yeah, brother, I can't tell you how how proud I am of all, every single time I see something come up on the feed of things that you're doing in this space and with the the conversations around mental health and really the assistance, right? Like I we talked a lot about this in our last podcast about the importance of lending a helping hand and you know, you don't you don't just look for that one day a year to be you know, uh, very loud about it. You do it every single day 365. I can't tell you how exciting that is. I do a lot of podcasts around marketing, branding, storytelling, but nothing gets me more excited than talking about this because this one is very close to home. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't know if I've given you an update, but I'm proud to say that that dual podcast episode that we did still sits in the top five most listened to episodes in the Ride With Me podcast show. It is 
if anything, it's a, it's a wake up call. You know, it's, it's, it's a realization that there's a lot of individuals that are looking for these type of conversations, especially with everything I have in my show over 130 episodes. And this still sits on the top. So I'm, uh, I'm very grateful for you to give me the opportunity to talk about it. And I'm very grateful that you share your story because there's a lot that people have been learning from your story. So thank you for having me. It's an absolute honor. Yeah, thanks, man. That's nice to hear that. And you're an inspiring human being. And I, I try my best to uh, limit my exposure to social media. But every time I do go on there and I, I get to see whatever you're doing, I'm always inspired by it. And I think you toe the line so nicely of like, here's who I am, what I'm doing, what I think, but it's not preachy and it's not righteous. Like it's really um, authentic and, and I think delivered in a way that is sincere and, and a good reflection of you and your personality. Yeah. I appreciate that. It's it's even nice hearing it from your perspective because sometimes I'm not always sure what the perception is on the outside. You know, I, I think I know what I'm doing, but you never really know until you hear it. <laughs> you, you know, what, what I do, Mike, is I, I create content for what I would consider the young mafus, right? Because the young mafus, when I was struggling and I really needed assistance, I wasn't someone that was like loud and, and very, very bold about it. You know, I wasn't raising my hand saying, can someone help me? I was very quietly in the background suffering. And I, I would keep going out to events and seeing other people and thinking to myself, like, maybe I'll find a speaker up on stage that will give me what I need without me asking. And I, I always hope for that. So whenever I put out content, whether it's through social media, whether I do podcasting, whether I do blogs, even when I'm speaking on stage, I'm walking up and down the stage. And I'm always thinking to myself, like, there might be another me in the audience. And that other me is not looking for an invitation for help. That other me is not necessarily uh, going to come up and ever tell me I've made an impact. I'm, I, I'm just at peace with the fact that maybe I'll put out some good information of what I did to reinvent my life and get out from a bad place. And it'll spark something in the back of their head that many years later, they can make an impact. And they may remember me as one piece of the puzzle that allowed them to get there, or they may not. And I'm okay with that as long as they come out winning on the other side. So I, you know, I appreciate what you said. And I, I would say it's very intentional in my approaches. I never want to force my ideas down because I, I'm also very, very transparent about the fact that the things that I do and the things that work for me are only things that really work for me in my situation. There might be some overlapping areas that others can benefit from, but there are so many incredible individuals, you know, you being a great example of it, that has a very different story, but a lot of commonalities in our takeaways. When you and I shared a stage at events that we spoke at in the past, it's always an honor to listen to your story because I, I love the idea of sharing different experiences that comes with the same takeaway at the end of the day, because the things that I've gone through, maybe people won't be able to resonate with it the same way that they'll be able to resonate with you. So I never, ever see other individuals that are talking in the space as competition. I think of them as partners. I hope that every event I ever go to and every podcast episodes around this that comes out, even if I'm not in it, I hope it's the best damn event that's out there because I imagine that someone in the audience is listening to it and benefiting from it because the way I see it is if 12 of us went on stage and if 12 of us hit a home run, the ones that wins is the audience, right? They got the best value that they possibly could. And down the road, I see that opening more doors for us to go in and do more of it. So that is my motivation. You know, it's more about optimism, love and growth rather than competition and beating one another. I really love that about our space. I think there's more support 
in partnership than there is in competition and trying to one up each other. And I think that's what's so healthy about it. My background is in marketing and I'm tremendously good at it, but I don't stop that from letting me teach other people how to get good at that too. I really, whenever I sit down with someone in this space, I spend so much time outlining everything they need to do, even if it means I don't get a dollar out of it. Because to me, I'm thinking about the big picture, Mike. I'm thinking about everyone winning down the road and we all need to do our part collectively as a community to get there. So to me, every single podcast invite I get around this space, every single guest opportunity, it's always a yes and it never comes with a price tag. I'm honored to be a part of these conversations. Yeah, that's amazing. So let's just get right into that. So the, and I want to hear about, I saw you posting about a show that you're going to the US to participate in. So yeah, let's not forget to get to that. So can you describe your thought process around what you just said about sharing, freeing, like willingly sharing things because of the greater good? Um, How did you, I mean, have you always kind of been like that? Or can you just describe the alternative thought process to that kind of the, the, the competitive, if I give, there'll be less for me, that kind of thing, because I think some people are held back by that a lot. And and not to be quite honest, I have that. I don't know if I'm held back by it so much as I hear it, no doubt. And when I see other people doing something, this is why I try to avoid social media because I just can't. It's hard. I, I can't avoid those feelings, right? Or those thoughts. I can I can navigate them fine, but I don't even like to have to put the energy in to navigate them. So how how do you do that? Yeah. And and, and have you always been this way in the yeah. sense? I mean, don't let me come out here and say I'm a complete saint and that I've been doing it with this mentality all along. I mean, when I first yeah. started this struggle, um, when I started my journey, I have to admit that a lot of them came down to being fueled by hate and anger rather than love and joy. Um, and I still think till today, there has to be a bit of balance, right? When we have a conversation around ego, ego is seen as a, as a bad thing in many ways, but there are parts of the ego that fuels you to be your best self. You see it in some of the greats in the industry, right? Like even in sports, you hear all the time about, um, you know, starting with Muhammad Ali way back, he always believed he was the greatest. And he knows by being the greatest and claiming he's the greatest, he allowed himself to get there. So there are parts of the ego that can positively fuel you. The problem is that if you don't have control over the ego, the ego controls you. And a big part of the control is understanding how to utilize it in a positive way rather than letting it take over your mentality. And when I first started, Mike, like a lot of my feel was actually around heartbreak and neg- in a negative space. You know, I got my heart broken. I had an engagement that didn't work out. I came out of a bad relationship. And a lot of what I was doing was actually out of bitterness. Like I was trying to show her that I was a catch and she missed out. I was trying to show her that she threw away something that could have been great. And I'll be honest, it was giving me tremendous results. Like it was really working. I was getting a lot of benefits. Like I was fueled and everything was working my way. I was getting more talks than I've ever done. I was getting, I was making more money the next year than I've ever made. And I started getting addicted to that feeling because to me, I felt like that was the only way to grow. I actually even had this belief that I think every single person that's successful is doing it out of this mentality. Like they have a chip on their shoulder of something they want to resolve. But I got to tell you, the wake up call is literally when you wake up every day and you have this feeling of hate and you have this negative energy and you're always feeling like 
like you, you have this like virtual blood dripping down your lips every single day because you're trying to just destroy everybody to get to the top rather than working in tandem. There's a saying out there that you can move fast alone, but you can move further together. And that, that really hit home for me when I realized that there's just so much more lucrative energy and fuel that works through positivity that can keep you going for a decade. You know, the hate might let you go for a couple of years very strong and very fast, but sooner or realize you, you, you start realizing that you burn out and uh, that negative energy actually makes you hate the world and look at it in a negative outlet. And it's just not a healthy long-term strategy. Where I started seeing value is when that, that hatred of my past relationships started disappearing, I actually started adoring my exes. I actually started loving the people in my past because I realized that they, give, they blessed me with an experience that allowed me to know how to bounce back. They blessed me with an experience that allowed me to shatter in a million pieces and rebuild myself. Now I'm in a mindset that no matter how bad things get, I'm okay with starting over because I've done it before and I know it's very possible. So they taught me a very hard lesson that I don't think any school education facility or any training will ever teach you. The life experience of bouncing back from heartbreak, from, from the ground floor and building yourself up never goes away. So now I build out of love. I build out of the idea that if we collaborate with individuals and you work as a community, the mindset is when the community wins, we all win. And if everyone yeah. has that mindset, you'll notice that collaboration starts becoming the hot topic rather than competition. Yeah, I mean, it's so, so how was there a point in time or how did you get through that? Um, before, actually, before, there's a lovely quote in the self compassion uh, practices uh, the motivation of self compassion arises from love, while the motivation of self criticism arises from fear. And love is more powerful than fear. Wow. It can be. That it's beautiful, right? And so the it that works the same towards other people. Like as you were describing that motivation, there's also it's to point out when we are motivated out of kind of resentment or to get back or to win so others lose, that can have a short-term benefit in terms of increased motivation, but over the long term that has diminishing returns and then we kind of burned out burn out and get miserable and, and resentful how how did you walk through that that place because i think every human being is there from time well maybe not has been there and people that are not aware of it are there quite often how 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 did you get from that to because you said i i now i love my past exes or just like the past difficult relationships and people i dealt with how did that happen yeah it, it's it's a lesson that i had to learn that i hope no one really has to go through because it's it's a lot of rewiring in my head and unlearning before i had to reinvent myself and the unlearning part came down to the fact that i was just really really unhappy you know, I had a wake up call and I, I, I just realized one day that I'm not happy with any part of my life, even though it seems like it from the outside. Right. And, and the social media is 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 a big indicator of, you know, there's a lot of challenges happening. And we talked about this in our previous conversation about the world of social media creating a facade. I saw this picture the other day on LinkedIn and it really woke me up, which is the there was an image of a a circle. And the circle was about as large as a basketball. 
And that circle was divided in half. And in the bottom half, it says everything I'm losing in. And the top half says everything I'm winning in. And on the top half, there's a quarter size circle that says what I share on Instagram. And it was a big realization of how little we know about the world. But at the same time, we're allowing it to consume us because as hard as we're trying, we're starting to see that we're not good enough because we're comparing our lives with other people's highlight reels, right? When, when you think about a relationship, you know, there's so many relationships that are falling apart today because when they fight and they go on social media, all they see are happy moments of other couples. You know, you're never in a situation where you're in the middle of a fight and you say, hey, wait a second, let's take a selfie and put it up online for the world to see. And because no one's doing that, you're asking yourself like, hey, is there something wrong with my relationship? Because no one else seems to be doing what I'm doing. But the reality is everyone's having conflicts. There are challenges and hard discussions that never get shared online. But my problem was I wasn't seeing that when I was younger. You know, I felt like hate was working. I felt like it was making progress. It was doing well. But then one day I finally burnt out. I finally realized I was losing in all other areas of my life. You know, I was I was becoming severely overweight. I was, become, I was in massive financial debt and I was still spending a lot of money out to make my, to create this facade on social media that wasn't true. And I was spending a lot of time in unhealthy places. You know, I'm, I'm spending more time around conversations that are more to do about negative, um, negative memories and dissecting them and really just leaving feeling worse every single day. I wasn't doing well emotionally. I wasn't doing well financially. I wasn't doing well physically. And my relationships were very, very unhealthy. And those were indicators that one day I finally burnt out. And I finally said, I don't care if anything else works for me. If I'm not happy, I'm not doing it anymore. And at that moment, I decided to step back and rewire everything and rewire my entire philosophy around this world. And it took a lot of work. It took a lot of unlearning and hard realities, you know, virtually looking myself in the mirror and taking apart the things that are negative. And I notice a big indicator that makes me extremely happy is I notice that every year that's gone by, I've been complaining less. I can't remember the last time I've complained. You know, it was a hard year, Mike, like the last 12 months, very difficult year with the pandemic. My brother that's down in Cleveland almost died in, in the fourth month of the year because he had, uh, he got hit with COVID, but he also had a heart attack during, uh, while he was in the hospital. And we were at a moment in our life we, that we didn't think he was going to make it. And he somehow muscled through it like a champ. You know, I like to think it's the chowdhury blood in him that muscled through it. And he, he's back. And you know what? He's better than ever. He's working out. He's healthier than he's ever been. He's really got his life back together. With all that still happening, I still think the last 12 months has been one of the best year of my life. And not because of the pandemic, but more so because the lockdown has put me in a position where it actually forced me out of my routine. It forced me from my day to day, like 5 p.m. would hit, I would shut down my laptop, I would go out with my friends and we would spend time together. That was taken away from me. So I've been spending a lot of time from 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. every night, introducing new habits. In the morning, introducing new habits. And I started doing things like meditation, journaling, reflecting, spending a lot of time on positive conversations. And I realized that even though there was so much madness happening on the external, I was at so much peace in the internal. And that feeling is something that I'm so hooked on right now that I have no reason to complain. You know, there are a lot of things out there. Don't get me wrong. There's some dark things happening out in the world. And I try to make my contribution to help out. But I love the fact that I get to go home and be in bed every single night and sleep in peace. And I think I would trade anything to get that every single day. To me, that was enough. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Um, 
the way that you described the point of surrender in some sense, I think people often confuse the idea of letting go and giving up, surrendering it just with failure or weakness or et cetera. But really it's a, an acknowledgement that things can be better and whatever we're doing right now just isn't working. So let's try something different. And you just articulated it so nicely. The, the point around inner, inner peace too is such a profound one. And also I find it, I don't know, sometimes I hesitate to get into it because it, you know, this idea that you could actually be locked in a room for the rest of your life. And theoretically you can still be happy. And that's, hard to swallow i think for a lot of yeah. people and then you know people like nelson mandela are are prime examples of this he is a herculean uh role model so not that we should try to be like that or expect ourselves to be like that but it shows us what's possible and i don't know what it is about me if it's fear or something along the lines of I know I'm not always like that. So if I try to talk about it, I have to feel my own shame or something of not being like that all the time. But it's a, it's, it actually is a key to lifelong contentment. Yes. And yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, you, and, and it's, it's a great like counterintuitive way to also look at this because I, I never want anything that I put out there to ever really feel like it's, uh, you know, it's an illusion and a facade or a state of denial is sometimes what people might say, like, hey, things are bad, but you're acting like it's good. I'm always a big fan of uh, like packaging optimism with practicality. And what I think is, you know, it comes down to a few key mindsets that I have. The first mindset is the fact that let's focus on the things that you can control because by stressing over the things you can't control, you're giving up a lot of your energy and time to focus on the things that you actually could have done about things about it. The second mentality I have around this is the fact that if you start coming from coming at it from an optimism standpoint with a clear head, you're going to find that you can actually make better decision and make a bigger impact. When you start stressing and dwelling, you know, there's a statement out there that says that you should be living in the present because when you're living in the past, you're depressed. When you're living in the future, you're anxious. And the encouragement is when you live in the present, you're really taking in the moment of not worrying too much about the future, not dwelling about the past, but living and appreciating what you have today. This is, come, this is where the gratitude component comes in. What am I grateful for? You know, it's hard to sometimes see that because we wake up every single day and there's a lot of complaints and negativity in the world, right? Every time you turn on the news, there's a lot of bad news. Every single time you're spending time with friends, you're hearing about things that they're struggling with. And, you know, to their credit, there's a lot of validity with the things that they're struggling with. But it's hard to come home when you've been beat up emotionally with all the negativity that's around you. What about the gratitude component? What about the fact that, you know, I wake up and I say, I'm 35 years old. And I have today achieved everything that the young Mufus wanted, you know, and I, I still have other goals that I need to achieve that I'm excited about, but I was obese. I've hit the best shape of my life at the age of 35. I was financially broken in debt. I have more money than I've ever made in my life. I have never had a career. I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life pouring coffee. I'm now a brand manager at a marketing agency that we built from the ground up. The, I would be disrespecting 
the young Mafuz, if I didn't take a moment to appreciate the fact that he got his wish, like his wish came true. And sometimes because of the negativity, we forget that gratitude component. And this is this part excites me because it, it's a realization. You know, in 12 months, I was able to achieve some of my biggest goals. You know, I was still in debt 12 months ago and I'm now debt free. I was still out of shape 12 months ago and now I'm in good shape. You know, when you met me a couple of years ago, Mike, I was still losing it. Like I was still out of shape. And I finally got to the goal that I've been wanting to in 12 months. To me, that's a wake up call. In the hardest 12 months, with the most limitations you could ever have, with not being able to go out and work out or, or do the things like businesses are shutting down to really make income, I was able to do it. That to me is optimism packaged with practicality. That to me means in 12 months, if you're in an, in an unhappy place, emotionally, physically, financially, in 12 months, you could completely change your mind or you could completely change your life around. And I want to encourage people to take that, use me as a case study of someone that was broken, you know, someone that came into this world with, um, that was financially unstable, that has a terrible relationship with his family and has been able to rebuild himself and live the life he wants as a shy introvert. The reason I'm loud right now is not because I like being loud, is because I know if I don't say the, if I don't lead this conversation, that conversation may never be had. So I'm just playing my small role. I don't want to be the, the, the person that makes a, the impact that changes the whole world, Mike. I just want to be one gear in a working clock. I just want to do my job as one gear and be the best damn gear that I could be so that the clock operates the way it needs to, which is our community. And if I can do that to my best of my abilities, you, me, and other individuals that are in this community that are having these conversations, I feel like as a whole, we can make a massive impact. That's my mindset around peace and positivity in my mind. It's led with gratitude and a whole lot of practicality. Amazing. Can you... There's a couple of things I'm taking notes uh, <laughs> taking notes on as we go along because I don't want to forget. Um, one thing I'll say, which is quick to to your point of doing what we can control. There's a wonderful. It was a prayer, but it can be a saying that the twelve step rooms have made so helpful and prominent. It's also used in the mindfulness communities a lot, but the Serenity Prayer. God, universe, etc., whatever. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, yes. courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's just so I get goosebumps home. right now. Yeah. yeah, it's it that's a simple, not easy kind of swallowing that can be annoying, but it can be also so liberating. And and I think you are do such a good job of articulating that. And I want to ask, because you said this too in the past, as I'm listening to you, I mean, you're so articulate and you piece these thoughts together so nicely. You mentioned before, of course, as everyone is, nobody's perfect. So can you just describe when you start to question or when that kind of itty bitty shitty committee or whatever negative voice, whatever yeah. it is for you, when that comes in, what's your dialogue with it or, or how, how does your doubt or negativity influence this uh, position that you try to put yourself in? Right. Right. So I call that voice in your head, the mental chatterbox, but I'm starting to warm up to itty bitty shitty. It <laughs> almost sounds a lot better than how I call it. Yeah. The, the mental chatterbox, you know, I've written two whole chapters in my book about it because it was such a big part of the things that were, 
going to be my downfall, but eventually became my best friend, which is the understanding that the mental chatterbox, it's the way I think of it is just an uneducated friend who doesn't know whether or not something is good for you or bad for you. All they're looking out is for your own safety. So sometimes, you know, I, I use the example of getting on stage. You know, I've been speaking on stage for about 12 years now. And even now, you know, even getting on this podcast, Mike, I have this voice in my head that freaks me out and says, don't do it, reschedule it, cancel. You're going to bomb and the world's going to laugh at you. You know, you're going to say something outrageous and it's going to haunt you. I have that every single time. And I still end up doing it. And over time, I've learned that you can't sound that, that voice completely, but you can manage it a lot better. Because once you start managing it, the mind changes because it first thinks you're in danger. It thinks you're going to be embarrassed and it's going to ruin your reputation. Or when you're doing something a little bit more physical, they're going to say, oh, you may actually die. So don't do it. So that voice in your head really tries to talk you out of it in ways to try to protect you. But once it gets past that stage and it's actually convinced as this uneducated friend, it's convinced that, okay, you're actually safe. As a matter of fact, this is working. It's actually going to change the conversation it has in your head and starts rooting for you. It starts feeling good. You know, we just, I just experienced that in the first 30 minutes of our conversation. We started and my mind was going off. Like I had this nervous tick. I do a good job hiding it, but I'm freaking out on the inside. And then about 10 minutes in, I was like, man, this is a really good conversation and I'm glad we're having it. All of a sudden, my mind is now rooting me on and is feeding me some answers from the past that's helping me articulate as well as I can. I believe that if you spend enough time on optimism, your mind is going to start rooting for you and helping you rather than talk you out of things. If you spend enough time looking at the world in a way saying that the things that you're doing is making an impact, your mind is eventually going to say, yeah, it is making an impact and I see it every single day. Let's keep doing it. So you can change the conversation that happens internally based on your outlook externally. And if you spend enough time changing the outlook, a lot of different things happen. You know, when I stopped complaining, it was a practice I put into my life, which is stop complaining about things. Be grateful, be grateful. And I even have a journal where I write my gratitude every single day and nothing to complain about. I start realizing that my mind actually doesn't look at people in a negative way. It sees people doing great things and you're, I'm like, I'm really happy for them. Like I want them to crush it. When I see people having conversations and once upon a time, I would have seen them being annoying because they're loud. I'm actually grateful that they're openly sharing ideas with me that allows me to grow. I'm really excited about this, Mike. Something that I, I haven't been talking about in the past that I think in the last six months, I've really been loud about and really bullish on, which is I really think that reinvention in this world can happen if everyone in the world starts focusing on having better conversations. That's something that I haven't talked about enough in the past. I think I've been talking about the emphasis and why you should reinvent yourself. But now I'm starting to talk a lot about how to reinvent yourself. Because I think about my own life and I think about what allowed me to make my changes, You know, starting with the physical change. I'm 35 years old now, which means for 33 years of my life, Mike, I've been doing fitness all wrong. 33 years. I've been eating wrong. I've been working out wrong. I've been doing my, my exercises all wrong. And I've been gaining a lot of weight. And it shows. With one conversation, with one friend, in one sitting at a patio in the summer, that conversation made me fully understand everything I was doing wrong. And instantly, I changed my entire outlook on fitness and my actions recalibrated as a result of that. And then just by that conversation, I now got in great shape. My mindset around personal development has changed in conferences that I went through by passively listening to speakers on the stage, sharing tremendous ideas and me collecting that in my head. 
I think about the advantage that we have in today's world where podcast is booming more than it's ever had. Mental health conversations and personal development conversations are having every single day. We have the benefit of not having to sit in 30 different conversations a day to learn everything we need to know and have better conversations. We can listen to other individuals through podcasts. Having conversations around these things, be a fly on the wall and collect the information that will completely change our outlook. If we all spend our, our time either participating or passively listening to better conversations, you'll be amazed with how much naturally every single thing that in your life starts changing, including your actions and your day-to-day -day, on top of your outlook. If we start focusing on better conversations, the conversation in your mind, which is the hardest one, will start treating you very, very differently. My friend the other day said, pointed this out to me. We had a great chat about the mental chatterbox. And he said that he, he asked himself one day, if the things that he says to himself, the self-talk that he has, if he spoke in public like the same way to another person, what would happen? And it he was so harsh to himself, Mike. He was so harsh that he said that if he spoke to other people the way he speaks to himself, he would have gotten arrested and maybe locked away. And he's had that realization that why does he do that to himself if he doesn't speak like that to other individuals? And that outlook immediately made him change his way of thinking. So there's passive conversations by listening to other people. There's active conversations that you're involved with. And then finally, there's that internal conversation. Rewiring those three can completely change your life. And because I believe that more than ever, I'm starting to really make that my big push of this year. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think this idea, I love that you just brought that up. And I don't know if your friend is familiar with the self-compassion practices, but there's a big component on the first introduction to the practices at least that i'm familiar with and that i would teach are just notice how you speak to yourself and how that particularly so one example would be think of a situation where you failed felt inadequate made a mistake etc and just notice how you speak to yourself in those situations now contrast that to think about how you speak to a friend or a loved one or really anyone for that matter where you can have a bit of compassion and how would you speak to them? You know, what tone do you use? What's your body language like, et cetera. And just kind of realizing how different that is, is profound. And then we can start to practice having that internal dialogue in a way that's kinder, more encouraging. And also I think where there's a lot of room to learn in these situations is that we can be kind of um, protective and mode. So I, I try to balance this well. So I, I have a potty mouth. Okay. So, but I, so sometimes when I'm being hard on myself or that negative pattern is going, I'll just be like, shut the fuck up. Like, leave me alone. Screw off you're not wanted here, go away. Like, or I think as you mentioned, and you described so beautifully as well, it's, it's okay. Right. Cause that voice, as you mentioned so nicely is trying to protect us because it thinks we're in danger or it, I guess that's just its job. So it always thinks we're in danger in some sense, but if you can befriend it and bring it along with you, which is another great kind of approach, then it, then it's, um, I don't want to use the word that's coming to my head. Then it's a part of the team in some sense. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. A great and yeah, it, it is. You know, 
there's a lot of advantages when you get that chatterbox in the back of your mind working in your favor. And yeah. a lot of it comes down to the creative ideas. Like the conversation we're having right now, you know, there's very little preparation. And I love that. I love the idea of free flow conversations. And the only reason I can pull as quickly as I do in these conversations is because my mind is not working with me. It's now feeding yeah. me the answers based on whatever you're asking me. Um, yeah. One exercise that I'm a big fan of, and I do this in the marketing industry just as much as I do this in my life, is utilizing the word how. How is a very powerful word. We hear the word why being used a lot. And to its credit, there's a lot of credibility to using the word why to define your burning desire, your passion, and all that does matter. But the how gets neglected because the how is the question that you ask that allows your subconscious to actually start auto-populating ideas in your head to solve problems. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a, a good example, a very simple example is if you're driving home from work and you simply ask yourself in your mind, how do I get home quickly? Your mind will automatically start populating ideas like, hey, take the closest highway exit or, hey, don't take the street because there's a lot of traffic or this one has too many red lights. Avoid it. This one has a faster speed limit. Your mind automatically starts spitting ideas in your head. And now you can make a decision consciously by the subconscious's support in the background along the way. The problem is people aren't asking how questions. They're asking, why do I suck? Why can't I get this done? Why am I such a loser? And you know what? your mind will also ask, answer that question. It's going to populate ideas and say, oh, you're a loser because you don't pick up your feet and do anything about it. You're a loser because that your friend on social media is doing this and you're not doing anything. Your mind is just doing its job. When you start utilizing how with positive affirmations, it starts giving you the right answers to your question. So you're not asking like, how do I stop being broke? You start asking yourself, how do I start earning this many dollars? Right, because the how you stop being broke still goes to the negative loophole of giving you answers in a negative way, right? Like stop spending like an idiot, dumbass, right? Like it'll give you those type of answers rather than, you know, why don't you start building a business or start an initiative? Your mind will help you that way. In the world of marketing, where I'm always under pressure to be creative, this is my best tool that I use in my mind to construct ideas in the brainstorming phases. And it allows us to create some of the best marketing materials we have. I brought that from marketing. And I use that with my life all the time. So anytime I feel like something is misaligned, I ask myself how in a positive light in order to bring that back on track. Yeah, that's great. And that that how is hugely important. I do also think it's missing from the formula. I heard um, a quote, uh, we have all the ingredients, but we don't have the recipe. And that, that recipe in some sense is the how. And when it comes to mental health, I think we have similar to other things. There's an overwhelming amount of information out there, but nobody knows what to do with it. I shouldn't say nobody knows, but I think a lot of people don't know what to do in some sense, and they get stuck in the thinking. And part of another saying that was drilled into my head as you can't think your way into right action, you have to act your way into right thinking. And that is just such a wow. encouraging. Yeah, I don't know, stance. And so once we just start acting in a way, it's similar to the exercise. For me, I also struggle with diet and exercise. And the second that I get into my head, and I start ah, that shitty bitty itty whatever committee starts chirping away and it's that is an immediate sign that it's not going well and so if i can just 
allow it to be there and, and sort of not resist it and just start exercising, whether it's walking, running, jumping around, whatever I need to do. My wife is, is an incredible role model in this regard, but I, I do struggle. And so it's, it's really about the actions getting out of our heads and just it's another way to put it would be move with the body and the mind will follow kind wow. of thing. Yeah. Wow. It's a big I, one. I, I, I love your outlook. And and by the way, you saying you struggle with fitness and nutrition. I never believe it, man. You've been in excellent shape since the day I met you. So I, you're, uh. you, you impressed me with, <laughs> with your movement, but you know, let me, let me even give you an idea here, which is uh, a big thing that I believe in is pulling from the things that you love in the things that you don't want to do. Right. So one of the things that I absolutely hate is going on long cardio walks or runs. I got to tell you, if the only way you'll ever get me to run is if you put a soccer ball in front of me, I will not run. Otherwise, it's the only thing I'm into when it comes to cardio. But I've actually started rewiring my thought around this over uh, the last 12 months. You know, some part of it is the fact that I, I just need fresh air and I needed to get out of the house. So there's this there's this path that does a full uh, a square lap around my neighborhood that is exactly seven kilometers. And I've been challenging myself to walk those seven kilometers every single day, or at least at least about 40 kilometers by the end of the week. And I've been really pushing myself to get that done. And I realized one day that there's a solution to this problem, which is I started bringing in the things that I love on this walk with me. One of my favorite things to do is listen to audiobooks. And I, I have an Audible account and I listen to audiobooks as much as I can but I put myself to the task and I said, Mufuz, you are no longer allowed listening to audiobooks unless you're listening to it while you're on your walks. And what was interesting is that the more I got into the audiobook, the more I was excited the next day to go on my 7K walk. I would bundle up, I would tie my laces and I would get out there with headphones on and I would forget that I'm even walking because I'm going through this spiritual journey in my head while I'm listening to this audiobook that by the time I got back from my 7K, I almost wished like the lap was longer because I wanted to finish the chapter. So I'm excited the next day to do it all over again. You forget the pain of the walk. You forget that you're even walking. As a matter of fact, you're so invested on working on the thing that you love that you forget that the small tedious steps that you take called progress is happening along the way. And I've been able to do 7K every single day for the last three, four months. I have not once realized that it's actually difficult to do. You know, people always applaud that 7K is a long distance, but to me, it's just a great audiobook. And on top of that, I've been able to finish one book a week every single week for the last four months. So my book reading has also stepped up along the way. When you find ways to insert things that you love in the midst of doing the things you don't like, you're going to find that those things that you don't like become a lot easier to do. I put more kilometers in the last three months than I probably have in the last five years walking. And it's thanks to me rewiring and restructuring the system that has allowed me to do it every single day. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I love walking too. And I, sometimes I, <laughs> good old self-criticism comes in. It's like, Oh, I should be running. I'm not getting as much, yeah. you know, whatever, but um, there's something wonderful about walking and just being, I don't know what it is. I, I, it's almost as if we have forgotten the wonder of walking. It, it really is a, a beautiful just way to move and get out of your head and, and tying it to the audiobooks. I love audiobooks too. And I, I too have definitely been listening to a lot more and walking more. I've been trying to. Um, I want to I read something quickly about this 
because we I think we've really honed in on it on this the transition out of that self-criticism and into a more self-encouraging you know, dialogue. Um, it's from one of my favorite book, I don't know what you call it, workbooks that I teach and practice myself. So I'm just going to read it. According to Paul Gilbert, who created Compassion-Focused Therapy, when we criticize ourselves, we're tapping into the body's threat defense system, sometimes referred to as our reptilian brain. Among the many ways we react to perceived danger, the threat defense system is the quickest and most easily triggered. This means that self-criticism is often our first reaction when things go wrong. The threat defense system evolved so that when we perceive a threat, our amygdala, which registers danger in the brain, gets activated. We release cortisol and adrenaline and we get ready to fight, flight, or freeze. The system works well for protecting against threats to our physical bodies, but nowadays, most of the threats we face are challenges to our self-image or self-concept. Feeling threatened puts stress on the mind and body, and chronic stress can cause anxiety and depression, which is why habitual self-criticism is so bad for emotional and physical well-being. With self-criticism, we are both the attacker and the attacked. Mm it's unbelievable. And then this other quote here, just when we feel inadequate, our self-concept is threatened. So we attack the problem ourselves, right? It's like, we're, we're the beater and the receiver of the beating. And it's so, I think that just freeing ourselves from that, it, it you've described it really well, but I think for people that are perhaps in that space or not quite there yet, I hope that that little reading was helpful and what we're talking about is helpful. Yeah. yeah. Man, like I, I really love that we're diving into the self-criticism and the knocking yourself down. Um, you know, it's, it's a conversation that I've been thinking a lot about from the standpoint of just the fact that we're, you know, it, it, as naive as it sounds, you know, at the end of the day, we're human beings. And when you think about what we just talked about earlier, where we compare ourselves to others, other people's highlight reel, when you start realizing that it's only in their highlight reel, you start realizing that you're, you know, your, your mentality almost shifts where you're not as hard on yourself as you used to be. And that's what I want to encourage people is to stop being so hard on yourself. Like do the best that you can to the speed that you can. You know, in many scenarios, people are comparing their chapter two to someone else's chapter 11. You shouldn't even be comparing your chapter 11 to their chapter 11, you're a completely different book. You know, you're living a completely different life and your story is very, very different. I've learned to really, really appreciate different types of personalities because the more I get to know them, I realize that we know nothing, like zero about them, even their come up, the way that they were raised, the country that they were raised, the family and the culture that they were raised under. We, there is no way that in our mindset, we can comprehend that. So the actions that we might've considered that are negative Sometimes you just come from a bad place and they need to be, they need to just recalibrate themselves to get there. There's one quick thing I wanted to share with you that really puts us in the perspective of stop being so hard on yourself is, uh, is a quick math that I saw someone share that I want to share with you, which is the difference between doing nothing at all versus doing the best that you can. So the, the math calculation they gave here is when you're doing nothing at all, or let's say you're doing the most basic amount that you possibly can. That's, and, and we put that as a value of one. If you just did one every single day for 365 days, that multiplication gives you one, right? You've only done one. But 
if you did 1.01 every single day, so just 1.01 every single day for 365 days, your output is 37.7. So when you do one, your output is one. When you do 1.01, your output is 37.7. That micro step, that small consistent action, and the word consistent is what matters. You'll be amazed by how much progress you can make. And when I said you can change your entire life in 12 months, I promise you, I wasn't mentally sprinting. I was very passive. I was very slow on the way that I built myself up. You could probably lap me if you did significantly faster, but you can move just as slow as I did and still get there. There's a lot more time than you think to get to your goals. You know, people, they say that you, you underestimate how long it takes you to your goal, but you overestimate how quickly you can get there. And you'll be amazed with how much balance you'll find. I get surprised every single day in my life with things that get thrown to my lap and I never expect it. It never shows up when I expect it. And part of that could be that spiritual belief of like, you'll find great things when you least expect it. But I simply think it's the world's way of showing you, giving you hints that you're on the right track, right? Like in fitness, it's a lot easier. You stand on a scale, you're going to see a number and that's going to be the hint of whether you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. But what does that look like in the world? To me, the hints look like opportunities. It looks like kindness that people are opening doors for you. It looks like collaborations like you and me that's, that's reminding you that people are rooting for you. There's a lot of hints out there and that's an indicator. If you spend enough time paying attention, armed with gratitude, you're really gonna figure out what those hints are and it's gonna remind you that you're on the right track. I wanna implore people to not be hard on themselves. Take days off. As a matter of fact, rest is part of the process, right? Just like in the fitness, if rest is not in your process, you're not doing it right. It's the same in life. Include rest in your process and give yourself enough time to breathe. You can slowly get there and make significant impacts as a result of it. Yeah, big time. The rest thing is I'm doing some work with an accounting brand, firm, whatever, software, company, et cetera. Um, and that idea, trying to really imprint that in accountants, because for five months, four or five months of the year, they are burning themselves to the ground through tax season and stuff and yeah. not healthy. And and so how can we help them understand that? And anyhow, that was, that came out of nowhere. And another point to your, what you said, I, I think I read this in Tony Robbins or heard him say it. People often overestimate what they can achieve in one year and underestimate what they can achieve in 10 that's a big one for me. I think I'm coming up on 10 years of being sober and yeah, that's, that I, I am. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. It's, there's another saying, which speaks to what you're uh, so eloquently describing in the 12 step rooms, when you get a medallion or whatever your anniversary, it says, um, this is neither a prize nor a reward. It's just a reminder to be grateful. Wow. And that's just so, yeah, it's so, so nice and comforting. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of what you're, you're, you've been describing too, in lots of different ways. Um, like, man, I, like, let me just yeah. take a moment to congratulate you, man. 10 years. I, I met, you know, we, we met a few years ago and we even talked about it on the podcast and you very, very kindly um, explained to me that journey and the challenges I even remember before I met you, I heard you shared on the stage. Thanks so much for, first of all, openly sharing that because that's a difficult conversation to have, but I can only imagine how many lives are being impacted as a result of you sharing it. Um, I need to know when that 10th year is because 
I think it's, uh, <laughs> I need to send you a very, very nice congratulations package. I think it's well-deserved. What date is officially 10 years? Um, November. So it was November 11th, 2011. So 11 to 11 is how I know, or two, 11, 11, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, Crazy. It's, it's totally uh, insane. That, that transformation yeah. that you've made is, you know, there's many stories that needs to be shared just from that alone. You've, you've really come a long way and um, we know, we know that it wasn't easy, but you know, when you think about your 10 years to your Tony Robbins quote, does that have validity to your 10 years transformation there? hundred percent, hundred percent. And I, this is another one of those places where I can choose love or fear, or I can be self-critical or grateful. And most days I'm pretty grateful. <laughs> Other days, of course, I have that, that self narrative that makes that more difficult, but yeah, I mean, I can't still married to the same person. Um, which doesn't often happen in, in recovery. Um, and she's a wonderful human being and I'm, I'm super lucky. You know, we have two kids and life, life gets better, no doubt. As long as I stick to those principles and the ones that you, artic you were articulating so well. I think this is a nice way to connect to, because you mentioned it earlier, I wrote it down here, the ego. I like how you said, some or often people have a negative connotation around that or or look at it in a in a weird way but and you also said it nicely our ego in some sense can be a, an ally or a support or and the ego doesn't go away it's there and we can either allow it to help us or not and i think that's important for people to understand, I think, and, and noticing how, how your ego is influencing your choices and your behavior. It's super challenging because you never really have the ultimate understanding of your ego as you evolve as a human being, right? Like as you get presented with more opportunities, as your life has changed and all of a sudden like, hey, we want you on a stage. We want you to share this. We want you to get on a podcast. We want you to share content. You have a bigger audience now. Your life will always be this constant battle of trying to understand your ego and tame it. And I think the taming component is the hardest part because you always have to keep yourself on check to make sure that ego is fueling you in a healthy way where majority of the components that comes with it are actually going to take you away from it without you even realizing it. And this is a good conversation too because you know, I, this, is a, this is a fresh thought in my head and I, I love dissecting ideas live in real time with you, which is how do you become aware of your ego? Like what is the self-awareness exercise that's happening in your mind that gives you that realization that the ego is taking control? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I'm not sure where I land on this yet, just yet either. Yeah, wow, what a wonderful question. Primarily, I think, whatever it is that snaps us out of that lifelong autopilot that for me it was sort of i believed i was my thoughts and my feet I, I was i didn't have the ability to observe my thoughts and observe myself in a, in a certain way i i think the easiest i shouldn't say the easiest as far as i know the most effective way to do that is through meditation I think an important addition to that is 
I would say we need a teacher in meditation, at least in the beginning, or we need to be well guided because I think encouraging people to use apps and, and to get out there and just start meditating is wonderful. And, and I do think it's helpful, but I think in order to develop the insights that are most effective at observing the ego, you could say, we need guidance, just like anything else in life. We need guidance. We need teachers. We need, etc. So that's one thing I would say. And then the other is you mentioned a lot of beautiful practices like journaling, um, even having conversations like this. I think one of the wonderful things about, and this, how I learned it was through 12 step rooms is, is you, you can start to speak to it as a third person almost or externalize it in some sense. So when I get reactive and my ego starts to run wild, all it wants to do is, put everyone down around me and make myself think I'm the best or it it's sort of a hungry ghost where nothing's ever enough to feed it I think I think that's really helpful is yeah just that process of detaching from that process um, and then practice 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 yeah. which I think goes back to the how we don't have communities of practice in some sense and one thing we've been building is this huddle and so we're trying to, one of my goals was, how can I bring the gifts I freely received from the 12 steps to the world? That was really at the foundation of starts with me. And we're, we've been doing that through this huddle. We've basically met, we took a month off here and there, but every week since the um, pandemic began, just leading sort of well-being groups and meditation groups. And it's been beautiful. So I think one, we have to snap out of it somehow. Usually that happens through pain, which is, it just is what it is. Another saying there is, um, life punishes, punishes us first, then teaches us the lesson, which is freaking annoying, but it just seems to be true. Um, so however we get there, we get there, but externalizing the voice, journaling, being in groups where you get to see other people role model the behavior is hu is super duper helpful. And um, as you also mentioned so nicely, just conversation. Conversation is another way to start observing different parts of your mind and seeing how it works. Right. It's exciting to think about how many lives that you don't need to live in order to learn the things that other people experience. Like, I hope I don't have to go through all the pain myself. You know, I, I like the idea of all of us coming together collectively with our pains and saying, what was our lesson so that I could learn from other people's experience and potentially not have to feel that pain, even though I agree with you where I think the pain get, that allows you to learn that lesson in its highest caliber. Um, there, there's, a, there's a very famous book that was written, a very short story that anyone can do fine with a quick YouTube search, which was a story by Alan Watts about the Chinese farmer very well-recognized story. I think it's becoming quite mainstream because a lot of celebrities have been sharing it lately. But the story is about a Chinese farmer that does a great job in outlining the mindset around failure and pain, which the story is about the Chinese farmer who's one day, the horse and his farm runs away and takes off and his neighbors come over the next day and they say, oh my gosh, that's so terrible. To which the farmer responds with maybe. And then the next day the horse comes back, but this time it brings back another seven horses with it. 
And the farmer's neighbors are excited because now he has more horses and they're like, this is amazing. And the farmer responds with maybe. The next day, the farmer's son jumps on one of the wild horse to ride it, only that the horse was untrained. So it flipped him off the back and the son landed on the ground and broke his leg. And the farmer's neighbors were so concerned. They came over and they said, oh my gosh, this is so terrible. And the, farmers, uh, the farmer responded with maybe. And then finally, there was uh, an incident where two individuals came in from the army to recruit the son forcefully to the army. And they instantly rejected him because the farmer's son broke his leg. And it, once again, the neighbors came over all excited and said, this is incredible. And the farmer responds with, you guessed it, maybe. And I love the takeaway from that, which is there is no way to truly indicate whether or not any event that happens in your life is a good thing or a bad thing. What it really is, is just a necessary event that takes place for you to get to the next level, which is my mindset around pain as well. Is like when something bad happens, is it really a bad thing or was it something that led to a great thing? And an exercise that I've done, Mike, that I, I share with a lot of people and I encourage the listeners to do this is I want every single one of you to think about something amazing that happened in your life, a huge achievement. So this could be you found the love of your life. This could be that you finally got your dream job or you moved to a new city, whatever happened. Like think of that best achievement that comes to mind. Next, I want you to think about what is one thing that had to go wrong for you to achieve that achievement? What is one thing that had to fail for you to get there? And when you start realizing, when I think about any of the things that I've achieved, there was definitely some downfalls along the way. And I couldn't be more thankful because it aligned me with the right timing to do the things that I'm doing today, right? Like my parents allowed me to come to this country at the right time, get devoted into the world of digital and allow myself to learn how to use these tools to speak up. And I, I couldn't be more thankful for all the pain that happened because I don't think there were bad events. I just think it was momentary moments that felt bad, but sometimes you need to have bad days to have the best days. And Mike, I wanted to very quickly take a step back about meditation because you mentioned something that's really interesting to me and I, I'd love to learn as well as the audience, but selfishly, I kind of just want to learn myself. You know, I've only started meditating over the last three months and I'm so invested, so in love with meditation, but the way that I use it, I'm not convinced it's the right way. I've just kind of decided that this is how I want to use it. And what I decided to do to start meditation is I looked up a playlist on Spotify and I came across guided meditations and I started with small ones that were about 10 minutes long. Then I slowly went 20 minutes. Now I'm doing anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour a day. And I got to tell you your answer about how meditation allows you to manage that level of ego. I truly believe that, which is why I'm so into it. How do you recommend for someone, including myself, if I could do it differently, how do you recommend one should start meditation? What is a good place to get started? Yeah. Wow. What a, that's um well, I guess oh yeah I'm gonna try to um I was gonna respond to kind of what you were just mentioning about the ego and sort of noticing the judgment and I'll try to put this into here. Fantastic. I think the first thing I would do is oh one would be, yeah, can you find a teacher in some sense, even if it's through an app in a way you find one, one app that I think is fantastic is waking up, which is by Sam Harris. Um, he, he has an introductory course on there. It's a, I think it's 28 days, 30 days, 10 minutes a day waking up. You can get it for free. Another, another example of this 
embodied i don't know what it is integrity i think sam harris is a wonderful example of that uh, you can get the app for free if you can't afford it so the first month is free and then he says if you can't afford it email us and you will get a free subscription wow. amazing and yeah. and and so on his app he has his introductory course but he also has a bunch of other teachers as well so if if you don't jive with his approach then there's lots of different um, approaches on the app and i think he does an excellent job at really making it clear and simple and it's not he doesn't get lost in the kind of perhaps more spiritual mystical orientations to the practice and so i think for people who are new to it in some sense he's that app is a great place to start because I also think he does a great job at describing there's two fields of mindfulness. Well, there's many, but let's say on in the Western world in the popularization of meditation, there's dual mindfulness and non-dual mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I can. So I, I think I started learning from the dual mindfulness approach which is there's me who notices my thoughts there's me who notices my feelings there's me who notices whatever and then the non-dual is there is no me so this is kind of helps the disillusion of this uh, the false sense of self right we don't there is no mike inside my head who mm. is the experiencer of reality there's just reality and so, wow. yeah, that's the, I, I'm not going to try to get into it too much. I would encourage anybody listening to go check out wake, the waking up app and you'll get, I think Sam Harris yeah. of all the teachers is an excellent person at describing it. Um, so that's one Thank way. So that, Mike. I, yeah, I, for I, sure. I literally wrote it down right now. I'm going to check it out first thing immediately. Yeah, after do, it. do it for sure. It. Yeah. And, and it's, the psychological benefits of meditation are, as you were describing, are profound. And the one last thing I would plug my my teacher, my main teacher, she's a medical doctor in Toronto, and she offers meditation courses through OHIP, which is quite yeah. incredible. Her name's Dr. Heidi Walk, uh, W-A-L-K. If you just go to HeidiWalk.com, she teaches some foundational mindfulness courses that are supported by western the western medical system as like psychological interventions but anyhow i would check her out too so okay. and, and i think so we need a teacher in some sense or a guide and we need a group to practice with that would be an ideal scenario but as you said right now in, in this pandemic world we still do have a lot of agency over our day-to-day -day lives. And the fact that you were just able to do it on your own because you recognized it as a potential for healing or growth is amazing. And so I don't want to take away from people's willingness to do that because if you are willing to do that, that's incredible. And you're on the path towards yeah. the practice and to that journey. So I feel like then, I yeah self-guided component feels to me like just a taste of the benefits and the second you get the taste of the benefits you're trying to figure out how do i really really harness this um yeah. and I, I i love i even wrote it down as you mentioned to look for opportunity to practice with a group and i know that's going to be maybe a little bit easier as the world starts opening up but that, that's exciting to me i think that's uh that's an interesting component but 
it, I feel like it doesn't even just stop at the meditation practice. It's it, there's an opportunity to connect with others that have gone through the journey that led them through that spot. You know, surrounding yourselves with individuals that are investing in meditation, I think is to the point that we made earlier about being surrounded by great conversations. I really mm. think there's a lot of opportunity to have conversations with the right people in that room. And that gets me very excited. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So we, I can't even believe we didn't ever even did a proper introduction. We just started going and I, I just thought, wow, this is amazing. I'm not even going to, we're just, we got right yeah. into it, which is awesome. And it's been so great. So I want to, I want to make sure to ask you about this show. I saw you posting about it and I tried to follow the links a bit to see what, what it was all about, but can you explain a bit about that and how that came to you or, and what you are? Yeah. Tell me, please. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, first and foremost, Mike, I can't tell you how much I enjoy jamming with you on this podcast. Like when yeah. I say the word jamming, I really believe that, you know, we don't come here for Q&A. We're literally bringing our instruments and we're jamming together and creating beautiful yeah. music. And I'm really excited. And thank you again. Um, the opportunity that was presented to me has only come in front of my doorstep over the last month where I was reached out from an incredible group of executive producers that have invited me to participate in a reality show that's coming up next now in, in this summer, actually in Miami, Florida. And we're filming for a show called The Social Movement that's going to be airing in Amazon Prime, Apple TV and many other big networks. And when, when they first reached out to me, it was an interesting conversation because at first there was an ounce of skepticism that I had because I was like, where, have you, where did you find me and what do I need to do to be involved? And this executive producer was fantastic. She did so much research on me. You know, I was half flattered and half creeped out because it almost seemed like she read my book, listened to my podcast, did a full audit of every account that I have because by the, by the stories that she was sharing, I could tell that she admired me on top of reaching out to me. And I, I really respected that. And it was very flattering. But when she gave me the opportunity, I said I'd consider because I wanted to look into it. But the concept of the show was it's that this the social movement will be collectively bringing together some of the most recognized and established change makers in the industry to collect in Miami, Florida in one location and spend four days together. And in those four days, we would be tackling on some of the, the largest social issues in this world. And some of them include like, how would you solve the pandemic? How would you solve homelessness? How would you solve hunger? How would you solve racism? And it's exciting to me to think about that the conversation doesn't just air to the world where they can be part of that and they can learn from others' insights, but we even get the opportunity in a Shark Tank type format to pitch our solutions and our business model to real angel investors that may or may not invest in the idea depending on how well we do it to it. Mike, when I think about being that small gear in a working clock, to me, that spoke volumes to me because it, it talked to me about how I'm one participant surrounded by incredible change makers, where if I do my job and I, I bring out my best ideas and present it in my best way that I know how, I think I can make a real impact in a way that I never thought I could because I was lacking resources once upon a time. You know, when I told the executive producer I would, con I would consider it, I immediately got off the call and I started doing my research. And everything that I've done in my research has impressed me more and more about this show, starting from the executive producer who has a tremendous background in the the initiatives that he started around the world, as well as his aspirations of making an impact significant to well-known individuals like Elon Musk, to also his mentality around the team that he recruited, 
I got to know a lot of the cast members. I've connected with them on LinkedIn. I've reached out and we actually had a lot of Zoom calls where I got to know them and why they joined the show. And every single moment inspired me and impressed me more and more. So I immediately called back the executive producer and I said that I would be absolutely honored to play my role in this, in this environment. When I think about impact and I think about all the TV networks that I've considered being part of in the past, there has nothing been more valuable to me or more substantial to this because I think this is going to start more conversations around social impact than we've ever seen because of the magnitude that this can make, that of an impact that this can make. I'm really excited to be part of it. We're filming this summer in Miami, Florida, and I think it's going to be airing. Uh, season one is airing in September. I don't know if there's a set date for season two yet, but it sounds like it's going to be very, very close. So I'm really excited to even play a small part in this process. Yeah, that's so cool. Awesome. I can't wait to sort of get to observe as you share that experience and, and, and watch the show, I guess, in some sense, too. I think that's so cool. The We really do have collectively such an incredible opportunity to really start impacting all the things that you described. And front and center, I think for a lot of us is the racism one. And I think what has not been happening is good conversations. I think once or hopefully the, at least on this surface, there hasn't been in the media, there certainly are not good conversations in, in sort of the outward facing domains. The conversations are so divisive and so unhelpful. But I do think underneath, I know I have lots of beautiful conversations with people about it where you can be honest and you can ask questions that no one in their right mind would ask in public because of the insanity that rains down on people if they say the slightest thing wrong. Yeah. Um, but but it's, it is all in conversation. Yeah. Conversation Maybe you can just speak right to that word. a bit. You know, it's, it's my one argument towards my support for social media tools and digital. You know, I, I know there's arguments both ways and, you know, to its credit, I think both of them are valid when people talk about the downfall of what social media does. But to me, one big benefit that I see and why I take it seriously is because it allows you to take that conversation away from the big blockbusters like the media. Right. Because the, the, right now, if if they have all the attention, if all the attention goes towards the television set in the living room, they control the conversation. I think it's an interesting opportunity where you can start with zero followers today. You can build an audience and you can add your two cents about any single topic that you have in mind. Now, whether or not it makes a positive impact or negative impact heavily depends on what you're sharing. And there needs to be some responsibility around it. But the fact that you have that tool, the fact that we have a podcast platform that we can record an episode and all of a sudden it's on the most listened to platforms in the world like Spotify and iTunes. The fact that you can write a book and it's available on the most largest online distribution company, Amazon, and people can purchase that book. The fact that we can post on the largest, most, um, largest, most viewed social media channels out there like YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, to me, it's just an opportunity. And, you know, I don't think that the tools are evil. I think evil people are evil and some people can use these tools in a very negative way. I mean, we have to be okay. Like we have to be aware of that. I think that needs to be stated, but if it's used in the right way and it's used in the way of making real impact, playing the big game where you're trying to make a community impact and not an individual one, I'm excited to see how people utilize the attention that they get to really make that positive impact and take that power away from 
what the media may be feeding, especially when it's a negative conversation. Yeah, that's such a nice reminder. I think it's so true. And I, I it, it, we're still in the process of the transformation of the, I think the reduction in the mainstream media's control of conversation and what is said and is not said, they still certainly are entrenched, but thank you for reminding me of um, <laughs> the other reality, which, which is important and necessary. And I'm looking at the clock too, and I know we've been going for a while and selfishly, I want to talk to you about you helping with uh, some of our marketing plans um, for the festival coming up in May. And so maybe just, do you kind of want to leave people with how they can find you and follow you and, and uh, anything else you want to say that we haven't said? Mike, first of all, I want to give you a massive applause and thank you for everything you do. It starts with me and State of Mind podcast. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your contribution, not only arming me with great content that I can go to, to really work on my mental stability, but also many others out there. And, you know, the fact that you even say that there's a festival that you're putting out there, like I think about how many people have the opportunity to really step up and do something about it. I have to give you huge kudos, man. You have been so true and authentic to who you are since, like, since I met you, but far before that. And I, I can't thank you enough for, for what you do for our community, man. I can't tell you how much it makes me more motivated and more excited to do my part when I'm seeing the, the lane that you're creating, the runway that you're creating for people like me and you. So thank you for doing your part, man. I, I think more than anything I say about my promotions, I really, really hope people spend more time learning about all your initiatives because you're making real change every single day. For, for my side of Thank things, you. Um, yeah. you know, my side is going to start lame. My side, my side is going to start sound so lame based on what I just said about how amazing yours is. But what I'm really pushing harder than anything else right now is better conversations and better conversations starts with me speaking at as many events that I can me putting out as many podcast episodes, me bringing on guests and inviting people and sharing great content that other people like yourself are putting every single day. I'm using my social media tools to do it. So what I'm trying to be, Mike, is an incubator for all the great content out there so people can just hop on any of my accounts and learn from me, but also learn from many other people. And that's all I'm trying to do with all the mediums that I have. So um, I launched a website on January called Project Reinvention. And Project Reinvention is my website, projectreinvention.ca, where individuals can hop on and see things that I'm doing in the world of speaking. The, my book is available there. My podcast episodes in real time update every single time I launch an episode. And I've recently just launched a page about the social movement where I'm going to be posting updates as I learn more about the show. So best way to stay informed is my website. But my active social media account is Mafuzc. that's M-A-H-F-U-Z-C. And what I, what I want to ask individuals is not just to follow me, is to start a conversation with me. What I use Instagram more for that people just are unable to see based on how Instagram is set up is the amount of time I spend on my direct messages. I spend about 90% of my time on Instagram on direct messages. And I'm so active there because I treat that platform more like a text message platform than I do as a social media. I use it every single day to strike up great conversations with people individuals that share their stories with me, I give them some guidance, but also I share their stories with other people to benefit from it, or they look for advice, whether it's in the world of marketing, storytelling, personal development, needing a connection. I built myself a massive community in order to be able to do that. 
and I invite anyone to connect with me and ask me what they need. Um, and I, I, I will do whatever I can with the resources that I have to help out. I promise from the very first day, you know, 10 years ago when I got on stage and I was asked what my mission is, I said that all I want to do in this world is be a helping hand. And if I don't follow through with that, for someone that sends me a direct message, I'm not doing my part. So I want to continue lending a helping hand in every way that I can. And platforms like these, Mike, I appreciate greatly that you give me the opportunity to do that, even if it's in a minuscule scale. Well, thank you, one, for your beautiful, kind words. I'm learning to receive kind words like that. Um, and thank you again for doing all the amazing things that you are doing. And, and I want to back up because uh, I was just reminded of you. I remember when you spoke at York Mills, or I think it was, I can't remember where it was, but you did say something about maybe, no, you made a post on Instagram that said, send me a direct message and I'll respond or something like that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And I did. And you responded and here we are. So, so yeah, we, we even yeah. went out to coffee, right? We went out to coffee first yeah, right after yeah. that direct message. And then we got to reconnect at a future event, man. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm such a big fan of you and I love our friendship, Mike. I, I don't, I definitely don't think this is the end of any of our conversations. I, I feel like we're going to cross paths many times and I'm excited about doing my part to help your initiatives along the way, fuel it in every way that I can um, bring, you know, share conversations like this with my audience so they can learn a bit more about you. I'm happy to help out in any way. And, you know, to, to you, I want to thank you for allowing me to share ideas with your audience members as well. It's just a, a great opportunity for us to really enhance and magnify our conversations. No doubt. Well, thanks to, to coin your, we did jam really nicely. Thank you so much. And uh, till next time.